0: Uh, well, uh, welcome, greetings again, my name is Ian, and I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and it's my privilege today to open God's word for us, and uh, those of you who, who know me, ooh, we're not in Genesis, don't worry, um, those of you who know me will know that we have been away from Rotherham for a couple of weeks, and we've actually had the privilege of being, of travelling around a couple of places, myself and Denise, my wife, And last Sunday we were in the Cayman Islands at one of our partner churches uh, called First Baptist Church of Grand Cayman. And uh, uh, they wanted to make sure their their senior pastor, Pastor Pat Powell, and their other elders and their deacons wanted me particularly to make sure that I conveyed to you their love, uh, their prayers for us, uh, the fact that we are very much on their heart and in their minds and that uh, we can be encouraged by the fact that there are people, whatever that is, 4,000 miles away, who very much want to us to know that they're praying for us and that uh, they want only the very best for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. So I wanted to make sure you have that, but today it's my privilege to uh, open God's word for us. um Money. Money and managing money can be troublesome and be difficult. Uh, The Certified Financial Planning Board says that nearly one-third, this may stagger you, one-third of lottery winners, big lottery winners, declare bankruptcy after winning. Meaning that they were actually worse off than before they won the lottery. Uh, frequently they become estranged from their families and friends and they incur a greater instance of depression, drug and alcohol abuse, divorce and suicide than the average person. One journalist writes that a financial planner jokes that if you have enemies, then give them a lottery ticket. And maybe Abba were wrong, it's, maybe it's not a rich man's world after all. Well, as Rob was saying, we finished our study in Genesis last week, and uh, I, hope, I hope you found that relevant and interesting. Uh, the Old Testament is, of course, very relevant to us today. Uh, and next week, uh, we get the privilege of starting a, a series in the Book of Ruth. Ian Jones is going to be doing that. It's incredible how many of you, when I've said that, have said that that's one of your favorite books in, in the Old Testament. And how, particularly, I think the ladies particularly relate to characters like Ruth and Naomi. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, But this week we have a one-week break, and we're going to look at something which every pastor, every elder, hates preaching about. Great. It's the subject of giving. Uh, Those of you who've been with us before will know that we typically take one passage from the Bible and we think about it, what it means for us, what God is telling us, how we should apply that into our lives. But every now and again, we do turn to something which is more topical and we look at what the whole Bible has to say on a subject. And that's what we're doing today. We're thinking about what the whole Bible has to say on the subject of giving. So we are going to be jumping around. So get your little fingers ready. Let me see your little fingers ready. Show me your fingers. Show me your fingers, thank you. And get your Bible ready, because we are going to be flicking around a little bit in the in the Bible. And of course, it is it is a rule that seems to be unique, uh, that seems to be uh, across all the churches, that whenever the church leadership team decides to teach on a financial subject, it's the accountant who they bring out to preach. Thanks, guys. I am an accountant, or I used to be an accountant. I'm an accountant. It's inevitable as Sheffield Wednesday's inevitable rise to the premiership at some point in the future. Uh, Woohoo, thank you. Uh, But, having said that, having said that, I'm bringing this to you today as one of our elders opening God's word, not as an accountant. That's important, because... And one of the reasons why pastors don't like preaching about giving is that, is that it is one of the major misconceptions about church in our society. And that is the church wants lots of your money. And we don't want to feed that major error. So we want to be really careful about this. To be honest with you, I've heard some teaching on giving that has uplifted me and challenged me in a good way which has helped me a lot in my own work own with, with Christ. I've also left some services on giving feeling a bit bruised and beaten up, to be honest with you. A little guilty as opposed to challenged. I really want to avoid that today. I really want you to hear that I am not interested in squeezing another pound or 50 pence out of you. I do not want anyone here today to leave feeling an unbiblical guilt, Yes, we might some of us might feel a sense of challenge and that is okay, but not a sense of guilt okay. okay. But while elders and pastors feel reluctant to talk about money when they stand up here, uh, God doesn't. The Bible is not scarce when it talks about about money. There are 40 verses on baptism in the Bible. There are 275 verses on prayer, 350 verses on faith, 650 verses on love, and 2,350 verses on money or material things. Why? Why is the Bible talking about money so much? Is it because God really wants your money? No. I think it's for three reasons. One is that money is the importantly, you know, money is a very common reason why people do not come to God. Because money becomes their God. They don't want to give it up. You can read the story of a rich and ruler in Mark chapter 10 and what his response was. So I think that's one of the reasons why, why uh, the Bible talks about money a lot. Also, secondly, money is a very good analogy for how we interact with God. Again, it's an analogy, be careful, it's not how we interact with God. But it's helpful, the fact that God gives us gifts perhaps, God, God asks us to steward what he's given us, so on. The fact that we owe God a debt because a debt that we cannot repay because of the things we do wrong. The way in which Jesus has paid that debt, again a money thing. And we all, we all instinctively know how money works, right? Yeah, We all instinctively know, know what goes on. And a third thing Thirdly, most importantly, our attitude to money is a good indicator. Not the only indicator, but a good indicator of our spiritual health. And that's why we're supposed to pay attention to it. So, how are we going to think about this today? Now, some of you, I know I get very excited when I'm given a list of things to write down in a, in a service. I get excited about that. Yeah, so, there's going to be a number of numbered lists that those of you who are into that kind of thing can get excited about. So I just want to give you that as a bit of a freebie there. Uh, But what we're thinking about, we're going to think about four major things. We're going to think about the principles that underlie God's view of our giving, okay? So that's the principles that underlie God's view of our giving. Secondly, we're going to think about the question that seems to be uppermost in some people's minds, how much should I give? We're going to look at how much should I give? Thirdly, we're going to look at some practical applications that that I trust you'll find helpful. And finally, fourthly, we'll think about why we should give to the church. And this is really our main point. Why should we give to the church? So I would encourage you to take notes today. I think there'll be something for everybody that you will find interesting and useful for yourselves. You have uh, little sheets you can write your notes on or put them in your smartphone, whatever works for you. Anyway, let me pray, and we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have given us gifts. You have given us the gift of your son. You have given us gifts uh, to ourselves as your children. Father, will you help us to understand how to be good stewards of what you've given us. Thank you, Father. Amen. So, first of all, we're going to think about principles, as I said. And here comes your first little list. Here's a list of principles. And folks, I'm just scratching the surface of these. I'm just scratching the surface. Any one of these on its own could be a whole sermon. So do please forgive me if I'm sort of breezing through them a little quickly. Uh, Ask us questions about them afterwards if it's a topic that particularly interests you. Uh, But number one, God has everything he needs. God has everything he needs. He created money. He created the idea of money. He can do whatever he likes with it. All of creation belongs to God, including our money. Actually, that should read, including his money, I suppose. Uh, uh, You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. So let's just get that right for a moment. What is included in the word everything? Everything is included in the word everything. So everything in the world belongs to God. It also says in Psalm 50, uh, for the every, every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. So the first principle is that all money belongs to God anyway. Uh, and yet, I have some money in my pocket here right now. You may have some money in your own pocket. How did that get there? Well, because God has given it to us to be stewards, to look after. Not only our money; in fact, he's given us our material resources, our families, our friends, everything. Now, how would how would you feel? I've been picking on Jai all afternoon. He knows this. How would I feel if I went over to, if I went over to Jai and said, "Give me a twenty pound note," and he gave me a twenty pound note, and I walked up here and tore it into lots of pieces? How would you feel? How would you feel about that? You'd be thinking, He's just, he's just torn up Jai's 20-pound note. What's he doing? Jai would be feeling probably even worse because it was his 20-pound He's like, that was my 20-pound note. I get very upset, rightfully so. How does that change if I told you that I had given Jai, and I have not done this, if I had given Jai that 20-pound note? And it was actually my 20-pound note and so when I said to Jai, give me, my, give me, my, give me that 20 pound note, he was actually giving me back what was already mine. And so it was mine when I tear it up. H- how, does that change about, how does that change how you feel about what had happened there? How does it change how Jai should feel about what has happened there? If the money in our pockets and our bank accounts is God's anyway, then it has to change how we feel about using it for things he tells us to do. Uh, remember, that those the Bible says that if we've been given a trust, if we've been made a steward of something, we are to be faithful stewards. We are to be good stewards. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. What I need to remember is that my money belongs to God and he's told me to manage it. In part for my needs, I need to eat and have heating in the house and all that sort of thing. Partly for my family's needs. And in part to do other things. To do other things that God wants my heart to be attached to or to be drawn towards. Okay. So, all the money is God's. And secondly, He wants us to be good stewards. Third principle I need you to know is it's not wrong to have money. Uh, It is wrong to love money. But it's not wrong to have money. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. Some people will say that. Uh, We do run a bit of a competition in the church office for things people say is in the Bible but is not in the Bible. And this would be one. It does not say money is the root of all evil. It says... And you could turn there for me to First Timothy chapter six. So just flick over a few pages to your right. If you were in uh, in Second uh, Corinthians, there, just flick over to First Timothy chapter six. It says this in verse ten: the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root. of of all kinds of evil money is not evil when we start to love it when we start to make it our god that is when it starts to become evil or excuse me that's when it starts to drive other things in our lives which are evil i've heard it said and i think this is a great phrase that money is a good tool and it's a poor master perhaps money is a good servant and a poor master Money should not be in charge. If we love money more than we love God, there is a problem. If we love our stuff more than we love Jesus, there is a problem. Jesus said, Luke chapter 16, don't turn there, Luke chapter 16, verse 3, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to choose which one you're going to serve. Number four, principle number four, having said that, being wealthy or being poor can lead us to be tempted in particular ways, which we need to be careful of. Again, get the little fingers out, turn back over to uh, Proverbs in the Old Testament, uh, and this is Proverbs chapter 30, Uh, that is on page... That is on page 666. Actually on 667 is where we're going to be. 667. This is uh, right to the end of Proverbs. Some people don't get right to the end. The end of Proverbs is well worth reading. Uh, This is what it says from verse 8 onwards. And this is a guy praying to God. His name, you can see on the previous page, his name is Agor. He says this uh, in verse 8. He says, "'Give me neither poverty nor riches.'" Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So, if someone is wealthy, they can be tempted to trust in themselves rather than God. Their security is in their money. They think they can save themselves. Money becomes their saviour, their God, instead of Jesus. let me be clear, again, I'm not saying that wealth is bad. The Bible does not say that anywhere. It does say it is a temptation. It does say it is something that can cause us, can cause a barrier between us and God. But notice it says the same thing about poverty. It says... That if, uh, if, we, uh, if we become poor we might be tempted to steal or do other dishonest things and so dishonor the name of God and break his law. The big point here is that the money either too much or not enough might be a barrier between us and God. And there's no fixed amount to, to those two, two things. Uh, In terms of when you look at the whole globe, if you look at the whole globe, if you have one tap in your house with running water, and I'm including the tap that's in the cistern of your toilet, if you have one tap, you are already in the one-seventh richest group. Okay, So poverty is very much a relative thing. So, so, um, But it can become a barrier depending on how we, we feel about it. Number five, finally and briefly... Uh, The amount you give to others, the amount you give to God does not determine how much God will love you. It does not... God does not give us stuff because we give stuff to God or to the church. Uh, God does not give us stuff and money if we pray lots. God does not give us stuff and money if we sing loud. God does not give us stuff and money if we sing loud and well. God does not give us stuff and money if we read the Bible every day. Okay, this is called the prosperity gospel and it is very, very wrong. Okay? God gives us his gifts according to his good will. Anybody who tells you, pray this prayer and God will bless you financially or something like that is those are preachers who are praying on you and that's praying with an e not praying with an a okay they are teaching you something that is wrong look out for it uh, because 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 when God blesses us he is primarily talking about the fact that he is going to send that excuse me that he has sent his son He sent his son to die for us. That's his most valuable thing. That's his most precious gift, is Jesus. God has sent us his most valuable gift. And if we believe in that, and if we say sorry to God for the things we've done, or the things that that perhaps we should have done and didn't, if we try to live a life that's pleasing to God, then we will experience his most valuable and precious gift. will say, "You you are my child. He will say, you are saved. He will say, you are right with me. That is the most precious gift he will give us. Not some cash. And that is a free gift when we believe in Jesus. When we have that, we are wealthy beyond our ability to comprehend it. Now that is the gospel. That is good news. Money and our stuff promises to do what Jesus should be doing for us, but it can't do it. It promises that it can. He can say, I can make you happy. Lots of money. You know, you might you might uh, a good exercise for a rainy Sunday morning is to write down the words if only dot 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 I would be happy and then fill in that blank. If if you put in if you put in that phrase, if only I had, if only I won the lottery, if only I had lots of money, then I would be happy. Then money may well be something you are looking to instead of Jesus. Okay, so so no, m- money they cannot do this. They cannot do this. It is Jesus who can do that. He said in Matthew 16, he said, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth." where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. We don't quite know what those treasures in heaven will be, but let's face it, they're not going to be bad, are they? It's not going to be something lame or average. Yeah, you know, It's going to be something mind-blowingly awesome. Or, and I've used this quote before, some of you will know this from a man called Jim Elliott. He is a missionary who died for, uh, on mission in South America. A wonderful man. He said he, and you gotta hear this, you gotta hear this folks, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's the same thing. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose and we could keep talking about principles we could keep talking about materialism and consumerism which are such a plague in in society today but uh, those are the five principles I would sort of want you to think about when you're thinking about giving uh, that you can rest on those I think is a good foundation, so uh, how much should I give is the next question that we were going to talk about number two, how much should I give um, in the Old Testament the first part of the Bible before Jesus had written before Jesus came to earth uh, the people of God were told to give ten percent of their income if they were a farmer, ten percent of what they they grown or ten percent of their animals? As an aside, studies show that the average Christian today gives between two and four percent of their income to church. But when Jesus came, he radically changed this idea of got to be ten percent. Uh, he himself gave lavishly. Not that he had a lot of money. But remember this, he left heaven to come to earth. He left all the riches of heaven, all the glory, all the power that he had. He left all of that to come to earth, to be born in Bethlehem in a stable. He died for us. He gave his very life for us. He gave us his righteousness if we believe in him. There is no greater gift. When you're thinking about your giving, reflect for a moment on what Jesus has done for you and give in light of that. One of Jesus' followers, Paul, wrote, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. It's called in there about spiritual riches. Uh, often in the Bible, when you see money come up, you will see very quickly Jesus, who is ever talking, move between money and spiritual health, money between spiritual things. Okay, that's why I say it's such a good. It is a very good guide to our spiritual health because that's the way Jesus talked about it. Well, let's look at that passage that uh, Andrew read earlier from 2 Corinthians. So again, you probably want to flick back over there to 2 Corinthians. Uh, and that is chapter 9. Uh, page 1, one fifty. And let's just pick a few things out here that can help us think about how much to give. Uh notice a few things in here, verse 7, each of you. So Paul is writing to the church, how many people are included in the words, each of you? He says, each of you, uh, give what you have decided in your heart. Okay, so there is something here that Paul is telling us to do. It's about our heart, and it's about a decision. This is a conscious choice. This is about having a plan. Have a plan, make a choice. Don't just randomly do things. There's a place for that. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Um, notice also in verse 7 that Paul says we are to be cheerful givers. Uh, not to be grumpy when we give, not to be feel that we have got our arm up behind our back. But we are to be happy that we are given that we have given what we have given. Okay, I'm not talking about uh, uh, you know delirious. Woo! I've given five pounds. Yeah, no. but but we but neither do we want to feel reluctant or, or feel bad or feel. Oh, I wish I, I wish I hadn't put that five pound in. I could have had chips tonight. You know, or, or whatever it may be. You know, we want we want to feel glad. We want to feel happy that we've given whatever it is that we have given. Uh, verse eight. Notice, God it says that God gives us what we need. Again, that is a lovely word. God gives us what we need. Notice, it says God does not give us what we want. He gives us what we need. There is, in some cases, a big difference. And also notice there, he gives us it in order to do good deeds. Did you know that? Did you know that uh, the reason why God had given you, has given us money and material resources is so we can do good things with them? Good things, things that would please God. Uh, notice there in verse 11, it tells us that our generosity results not in praise to us, but in thanksgiving to God. When people see... Uh, the people of God giving it results in thanksgiving to God. The praise goes to God because of again notice our obedience. Yeah, that implies that there is a command in this statement. There is a command to give. Finally, notice that the praise is is not just for God in, in a random way. It's because it's because of the grace that God has given us. The pray So so we so we give money. And people thank God, not because God has given us money, but because God has saved us. Because of the work of God in our lives. It's different. Yeah, you see the difference there? Um, Or, let's have a quick look. Again, turn with me to Luke 21. I told you we were going to be jumping backwards and forwards. Boy, you guys. So Luke chapter 21. Verses 1 to 5. As Jesus looked up, he saw uh, the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Notice it is, it is the widow's heart that Jesus, is, Jesus commends, not the amount. He says her heart is in the right place when she has given. Also notice, notice in there that he's, he's interested in the proportion of what she has given. She's only given two small coins, but that is 100% of everything she had. Whereas the rich have been giving quite a bit, we don't know how much, but that was a much smaller percentage. And so it is that proportion that has caught Jesus' eye. It is her heart that has caught his eye. So how much should we give? The answer is, based on that, it depends. It depends. It depends on how much we have. How much we earn. It depends what our needs are. What our, Do we have a family to support? It depends on our heart. Are we going to be cheerful with what we give? Or are we going to be just really grumpy? It depends on our spiritual state. Are we trusting in God to look after us? Or are we trusting in our money to look after us? depends on our state of thankfulness to God. If we are thankful that God has given us his most precious gift in his son then what should we give? The answer could literally be nothing or it could literally be everything. It could be anywhere between the two. And although that is spiritually true, you say thanks very much Ian, that was very helpful, have you got anything a bit more useful? Well, yes that is all useful you've got to remember all that stuff but let me try and give you a couple of other thoughts uh, we are called to give like the widow sacrificially okay? that should mean that when we give we should have that sense of that we've given up something in order to give and that could be anything it could be that we've eaten in rather than going out it could be that we didn't replace our car for another year. It could be that we had less breaks away at the weekends. It could be that we went to York this year instead of New York. It could be that we stayed in and watched the DVD rather than going to the cinema. Whatever it is, that is sacrificial giving. If we give that bit to God rather than use it for us. When we give, we should feel I have... I have chosen to, do, I've chosen to give this to God rather than doing this with it. That might be 20 pence, it might be 1,000 quid. Only you will know. It might be 1%, it might be 90%. Yes, and I do know of people who give 90% of their income to the church. Now, now that, now that, you know, having said all that, that is a lot of liberty. It's a lot of things to consider. And some folks say, you know, that I just my mind doesn't work that way. I can't cope with that kind of discussion. Uh, and they say, I'll give ten percent to the church. Fine. There is nothing the matter with that approach at all. Uh, or that might be where you start. So again, another way of doing it is to say, okay, I want to give 10%, but I can't because, and you work your way down from 10% to another number, uh, that you can, in your heart, give joyfully and freely to God. It might be that you start at 10% and go, you know, I'm doing quite well, the I'm doing okay, I I could maybe make that a higher percentage. And again, I could do that joyfully and freely without worrying about it. So, okay. So, it might be that 10% is where you start when you're thinking about how much to give. You might find that helpful. Uh, but to be sure, whatever it is, Jesus is certainly challenging us to think about what we give on a fairly regular basis. This should be a, something you re- quite regularly think about and review. Um, and even if it is literally ten pence, I think it is good for everyone to give something. Uh, even, again, start the kids off young, great habit, give your kid a little kit, a little coin of some kind and say, oh, put that in the collection box. Gets them used to the idea that we should give something to God. Uh, a couple of side points that I think you might find really helpful just as we're talking about how much to give. Uh, did you know that our church tithes? You may not have realized this. Our church, REC, gives 10% of what it gets in income, and it gives it to other churches and organizations of a missionary nature that need support. So we want to try and model that for you. okay? So we And we want to reflect the fact that God has been good to us. God has been good to our EC. He's been faithful to us across perhaps over 100 years. He's been faithful to this church. And we want to reflect that in giving money to other churches. Now, having said that, we do sometimes give other things as well. And that's fine. But we want to make sure we at least give that to those two organizations that we think are promoting the gospel and printing the gospel. Uh also, I think, just as an aside, your, your giving will change over time. And I think, think about a progressive, what you might call progressive giving as a good thing. If you find yourself in a situation where your income is increasing, think about increasing the percentage of your giving. So maybe you get a raise at work uh, or uh, whatever it may be, uh, and uh, you say, well, you know, okay, instead of giving... Six uh, percent. I could maybe move that up to seven percent, and then you know maybe in a couple of years, perhaps your income goes up again. You go oh, maybe maybe I could take that up to maybe ten percent. So progressive. Thinking. So when you get to if you're in work or you you gain a source of income, when it goes up, just think about what does God want me to do with this. Again, one last aside like this. Uh, If you receive a one-off lump of cash for whatever reason or income, uh, your great aunt has left you something, perhaps you sold a house and made a a profit on it, perhaps you got a Christmas bonus, consider how much of that you might give to God. Uh, But be careful to let Andrew know if it's subject to gift aid or not. More of that in a moment. So, I hope that gives you some structure, some sense of how much to give I'm not going to say to you you must give 10% that's what the rule was before Jesus came now Jesus has come the answer is you give as you feel prompted to by the Holy Spirit you give as your heart prompts you whatever that is Okay. and uh, again that's a good discussion something you can keep backwards and forwards perhaps as you think about that But there is not one number, there is not one percentage I can give you in that way. So, having said that, let's look at some practical things that you may find helpful when thinking about giving. These are more uh, munchy crunchy things. Uh, uh, Some of them are from the Bible. Some of them are just very sensible. Okay, so again, when when I'm giving you this kind of application, I always want to give you a little safety announcement. Do not think these are commands from God. They are just things that I think are quite useful, okay, or very useful in some cases. Um, And they're also useful if you're here today and you're not a Christian. we pray that you will hear in this message, a lot about Jesus underlying this all. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, these are still very sensible things to think about doing. So I'd encourage you in that. And again, it's a numbered list. You know I'm looking after you. Okay, number one. First of all, be thankful for our deacon of finance, Andrew Walker, and our previous treasurers. Okay, they work very hard, and have worked very hard at making sure we are good stewards of what God gives to the church. okay. Uh, uh, I'm very thankful to Andrew because all I do or it seems like all I do is give him bills and he with graciousness says no problems I'll sort them out Uh, bear in mind he has a full time job and he works hard at making sure our numbers are straight and he keeps us all in line with that as did Joan Vardy previously as have other previous treasurers be thankful for these people who make us good stewards number two uh, get used to looking after your own money intentionally. Set yourself a budget. It doesn't really matter how you do that. It might be jam jars on the shelf. My grandma had jam jars on the shelf, and each week she would put a certain amount in each one, and that was to pay the food, that was to pay the electric, and that was to pay the rent. That's fine, that works. It might be a spreadsheet if you are an accountant. I love spreadsheets. I love a good spreadsheet. Uh, It might be on a piece of paper. It might be uh, the fact that you know that when you've spent everything this week at the end, you should have 20 pounds in your bank account, whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but set yourself a budget and let line one of the budget be, how much should I give to the church? Let line two be, how much may I give to other people? Okay, and particularly... uh, talking to the young people here as well, get used to managing your own money in that way. If you, I don't know, what's the, someone tell me what the going rate is for pocket money these days. I have no idea. Somebody, give me, what's the going rate? 50 pence, I like the way you're talking. There's the man, okay. Harsh man, even mine was more than 50 pence. Um, If it is 50 pence, no, you know, okay. I've got fifty pence. That is going to be. You can't even get a. Da- you can even get an iTunes download for that, could you? That's ninety-nine pence. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, line, line one. How much I am going to give to the church? Line two. iTunes download. iTunes download. Line three. Whatever you say. Candy, snap, sweets. Whatever you call it. Uh, uh, line four. Uh, buying something really nice for my father on Father's Day. Don't forget, that's next week. Um, whatever you know, As a young person, get used to setting your own budget. Because trust me, it's a lot easier to get used to it when you're young than suddenly finding yourself with some income and trying to make it up as you go along. Um, so number three, as Paul was saying from that, that earlier chapter, have a plan of what you can joyfully, freely, sacrificially give. How much and how often. Uh, If you are a UK taxpayer, uh, do come and talk to Andrew or one of the other leaders about something called Gift Aid. I don't know if you know about Gift Aid. Gift Aid allows the church to claim back the tax on the money that you give to the church. Um, And so it is a way of us getting another 20%? What? 25%. Uh, Oh, I should know that. 25% of what you give. So this is, again, is a good way of the church getting money as well. Uh, number four, take an interest in the finances of the church. Andrew produces a couple of sets of financial reports each year. They are very good and well done and easy to read, I think. Um, take a note of what they say, okay? Because they are a picture of what happens in the church. Uh They are a direct expression of God's provision for his people, the church. When you look at the money that has been given, don't just think, oh, we've people have given us some money. That is God providing for his people, the church. Understanding that way. But on the expenditure side as well, you can see the kind of things that we are doing. The kind of things that we said earlier, the good works we are about. You can tell. From the how much we are spending, it may surprise you where some of the money comes from. It may surprise you where some of the money goes to. This is all a picture of what God is doing here. Uh, number five: uh, Have you noticed in our services, you, those of you who've been to other churches or have grew up in other churches, have you noticed that we don't take a collection? during the service, you may have done. Andrew would rip my limbs off if I did not tell you that there is a wooden box at the front. Uh, to, we might actually move it to the back. We were talking about this last week. We might actually put it at the back. Where well, you can put a gift in, uh, as you feel called to do. Or many people, if you have a bank account, send us payments electronically. Um See Andrew for further details on how you might actually get that cash into ah. uh Number six, something you might consider doing is remember the church, remember God in your will. If you are an adult and you do not have a will, please when you leave here go and write one as soon as possible. It is an enormous blessing to anybody who has to come along behind you and to sort out your affairs. Okay, have some, have some consideration for the people who are going to have to sort out your affairs. Write a will now. Uh, and as part of that, you might consider giving something to the church in it. It is a huge blessing uh, for the church. But, but it also, again, emphasizes to your family and friends, who perhaps are reading your will, the position that the church has in your affections, the position God has in your affections. Even a will can be a gospel opportunity for somebody. Uh, number seven, I hope you're still with me in terms of the numbering, that you haven't got off the bottom of the paper. If so, turn over, because the other bit's got some space on. Uh, number seven, think about how you give to other organizations and what they believe in and give to them. When you are giving to an organization and there are loads of good causes out there, find out what they believe in before you give to them, okay? Okay. Um, Uh, For example, uh, we at the church are involved in an organisation called Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Nick Lovell every year uh, organises us packing up some shoeboxes at Christmas time that we fill with uh, goodies for the kids. We wrap them up in paper and they're given to kids who who do not have perhaps many gifts for Christmas. Uh, But folks, Samaritan Purse does a lot of other things. Okay, they're a great organization full of Christians. As I said to you, we've just come back from First Baptist Church in the Cayman Islands. Uh, When in 2004 that church was damaged by a hurricane, it was Samaritan's Purse who flew supplies onto the island to rebuild the church and also to rebuild another 20 churches and to fix a couple of hundred homes as well. Uh, It's it's, Samaritan's Purse, who are, I love this, who are flying kids who need heart operations from countries like Bolivia and Peru and Mongolia to the Cayman Islands, where they will have the operations in the Cayman Islands hospital, which is a lot cheaper than having it in a US hospital, So Samaritan's Purse who are flying them there but it is the church, First Baptist Church, who are putting the kids up in their home and the translators and their parents at the same time. So Samaritan's Purse with the church, with the families are partnering together for these gorgeous little kids to have heart operations that they cannot get in their own country. And it's a great ministry as an example. So think about who you give to and what they Stanford. That is the end of that list. Uh, so, we talked about the principles that are underlying what we give. We talked about how much we should give. We talked about a few practicalities there. Finally, we should wrap up and think about why you should give to the church. What is the motivation? Well, very practically, on one level, the church costs money to run. On one level, you know, we rent this lovely building. We have electricity to pay, we have gas to pay, we have salaries to pay, we have computers, we have stationery, etc., etc., etc. And it's good and it's right that we should pay for that. Because remember, we are the church. Okay, So if we are the church, it's right that we should pay for the expenses that we incur. But it's far more than that. It is far, far, far more than that. We said earlier, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think that we would recognise that. It works. You know, we know that if we give money to something, we have an interest in it. We have It engages with our heart. The things we love, we put money and resources and our time into. So if we love the church... We should put some of our money into it. But it's more than that. I think that the 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 more you put into something, the closer you feel to it. Don't turn there. But if, if you afterwards, if you look in First Chronicles chapter 29, that's first chronicles chapter 29, as in the Old Testament. There's a great little passage there where King David is exhorting the people of Israel to give to the building of the temple in Jerusalem. That is the church. So King David is telling everyone to give to the project of building the temple. Uh, Does he say, oh, bear in mind, just before he's done that, he has put in several billion, that's with a B at the beginning, several billion pounds in his own money to build that temple. So he's already put several billion in himself. Does he then say to everyone, oh, look how much money I've put in. Come on, get your hands in your pockets. Come on, get some cash out, start rattling plates at you and that sort of thing. No, he doesn't say that. He says, First uh, Chronicles 29, verse 5, he says, Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Who's willing to give themselves to the Lord today? Who is willing to dedicate their family? Who's willing to dedicate their time? Who's willing to dedicate their intellect? Who's in, who is prepared to dedicate their home? Yes, who's prepared to dedicate their money as well? Who's prepared to dedicate their, dedicate their heart to the Lord Who's prepared to dedicate everything? That's the question that King David asked. That's the question God asks us. He's given us everything. He's given us his son, Jesus. Shouldn't we feel the same way? Shouldn't we be prepared to say, in the light of that great gift, I am yours, Lord. Do as you will. When we understand that God has given us everything, Even our very life moment by moment. When we understand he saved us. When we understand that because of the death of his son, God says to us, come. Come and be my adopted child. Here, have the Holy Spirit. I'm declaring that you are righteous before everyone. When he's given us... Everything we have, when he's given us every relationship we've had, when every piece of stuff we have, all the money that we've had, when he's given us everything, that is the motivation for us giving to the church. That is the motivation for us giving to REC. Does God want our money? No. Because it's his already. Actually, we just don't realise it. What God wants is our hearts. Because they might not already be his. He doesn't love our money. He loves us. God loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us. To restore that relationship that was broken between us and him. Why was it broken? Well it was broken because of things like our love of money. God knows that our attitude to getting and giving and spending our money can either be a barrier between us and him or it can be a huge blessing and a huge encouragement to us and to the rest of the church and to people outside the church. And that is why he talks about it so much. He talks about it so much to get our hearts in the right place. And to get our hearts in the right place, We need to think about how he wants us to use the resources he's given us to steward. He wants us to think about how much we need to give money to our church to get our hearts right. God wants our hearts. How will we respond to that? Let's pray.